Hey everyone, welcome to the 5-1 Volleyball Podcast. My name is Dan and in today's episode, I will be answering your questions that you asked me on my Instagram at 5-1-VP. Make sure to follow that if you don't already. Probably try and work in some Champions League preview stuff in here as well. But in any case, we have a very exciting roster of matches going on this week with all the Champions League stuff. I'm very excited as well as also some Italian League playoff stuff as well. Some Plus Liga as always. So I hope I do a good job of answering your questions and I hope you guys enjoy this podcast. So a bit of news first, it seems like Matt Anderson is signing with Perugia next season and Alexander Tanasevich is going to Skra Belchatov. All the transfer rumors are already starting. And I think this one, out of all the ones I've heard so far, kind of makes the most sense. Matt Anderson pretty much took the entire year off, was supposed to play in China, but they ended up canceling their foreign player allocation kind of at the last minute. So he's basically taken the entire year off, which I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing for the USA national team, which he figures to be quite a big part of in in the uh, summer they're about to have. But for Perugia, I think he makes a lot of sense, as an, obviously as an opposite. If they have Plotnitschke and Wilfredo Leon as the outside hitters, I think he's better at hitting as an opposite than an outside hitter and also... He can sub in a little bit and cover some of the passing lanes for Wilfredo Leon and Plotnitschke, who are not exactly the strongest passers, although both of them have gotten a lot better this year. Alexander Tanasevich, I don't know what went on behind the scenes, but it seemed that seems like that relationship is kind of coming to an end. It looks like there was a bit of uh, mutual disagreements on both sides. And he's returning to Skra Belchatov, uh, played there. In his earlier years, and as I've said many times on this podcast, the biggest thing that Skrabelchov is missing right now is an opposite. So if they can keep kind of this core together and add Alexander Atanasevich at, you know, 80 to 90% of what he was the last couple of years, then that's going to be a pretty dangerous team. And, you know, I kind of overrated Scraw maybe a bit this year. I mean, the jury's still out on them. They haven't lost in the Plus Liga or the Champions League yet, but... It's looking like they're not going to live up to the potential that, you know, I kind of thought they would be a contender in, in both leagues, and it doesn't look like that's going to be the case. But with Alexander Atanasevich, and if they keep Taylor Sander in Abadapur especially, that's going to be a dangerous team. Some other quick hitters for news. Ben Patch re-signed with Berlin for three years. I think that's a great fit. He's, uh, you know, I think they're kind of appropriate for each other on that team, both kind of B-tier club for Berlin and then a B-tier player, I would say, for Ben Patch. Very good club and player, but not in the elite tier. But I think they make sense with each other, and I like it in volleyball when players actually stick around in one club and and players who are pretty good as well in Ben Patch's case. We also had an announcement. The Champions League Super Finals will take place in Verona, Italy on May 1st. Italy always puts on a good show, and who knows, maybe you'll even see me there. Aiden Zingel, the Australian middle blocker who I thought was kind of semi-retired, but he ended up signing in Verona, Another two Verona headlines here in the news. 
And I thought he was still playing at a pretty good level when he uh, stopped playing. So it makes sense that Verona would want to sign him. He was a pretty high-level middle in his heyday. And as I said on previous podcasts, I think Verona's biggest weakness is in the middle with Jonas Aguinier and Eduardo Kaneshi. Two not terrible middles, but definitely not you know playoff in Italy level middles. And the signing ended up working very well as uh, Zinjil ended up scoring 11 points in his first game against Milan, getting Verona or helping Verona to the win as the only team to force a third game in the preliminary round series in the Italian Super League. So maybe a bit of a game changer here for Verona. I still think Milano will take it in the third set, but that's going to be a pretty exciting match taking place on March 6th. So be ready for that one. And the last piece of news, if you haven't heard already, I'm sure you, most of you probably have, but Lube Civitanova fired their coach, uh, De Giorgi, and hired Gian Lorenzo Blangini. I would watch the most recent episode of the European Volleyball Show if you want my full thoughts on that. But suffice to say, I think, uh, you know, firing a coach at this point in the season, I, I actually kind of understand why they did it. Um, kind of give their team a kick in the pants, and there's really not much they can do. But as you guys might know from listening to this podcast, I think in the game-to-game tactics, coaching is not going to make much of a difference at all. So from that point of view, I don't think it'll help. But maybe if some players were, were not getting along with the old coach, in that case, I could see it for sure helping at this point of the season. So I kind of understand that point of view, but very costly at this point of this season, a couple months before the end to fire your coach. All right, so that's enough of the news. Let's get on to the questions that you guys asked me on Instagram for the mailbag. First one is by JY Does Shit, who says, Thoughts on Yuki Ishikawa? Uh, Ishikawa, in my opinion, is a very good outside hitter, borderline elite. Yeah, I, th- I think he's very good. He's a lot better than Yuji Nishida, that's for sure, I would say. I think probably Ishikawa is a bit underrated by the larger vo- volleyball community. I would say he's like one of the best outside hitters, top 20 or so in the world. And Nishida, I, th- I think, is a little overrated. Magnus Burr asks, Who do you think will be Perugia's opposite? in the next uh, season. That's that's a really tough one. I mean, we don't really know. We know it's not going to be Atanasevich right now. I doubt they're going to want Teister Horst as the full-time opposite. That was kind of a stopgap solution. Shawan Vernon Evans clearly didn't work. Machi Muzai, maybe? I mean, Machi Muzai, he said before that he does not want to play in Poland, so he, I'm sure he's looking for an Italian contract. I'm not sure if, again, like I've said before, I'm not sure if that signing happened because of the Vital Hainan connection or what, but I, I could see uh, Machi Muzai being the full-time starter there next year. Definitely out of those four guys, he would be the most likely for me. Philip I asks, which Polish middles would you start at the Olympics the way all of them are doing in Champions League? Ooh, that's a really tough one. Uh, Piotr Nowakowski, Jakub Kohanowski, and Matej Biniak are all killing it in Champions League right now. Ooh, that's tough. I mean... For the Polish national team, I would say I would probably put more priority on the defensive end because that team's going to have plenty of firepower with Wilfredo Leon and Bartosz Kurek. And 
whichever one of the between Matej Binik and Jakub Kohanovsky you play is going to be a really effective hitter in the middle as well. So I would probably go Novakovsky for the blocking and probably Jakub Kohanovsky because he's been having a really, really good season. And I'm editing a video of the Polish All-Stars right now, which will be released on YouTube soon. But he's featured in that video pretty heavily because he, he's his season in Poland, both in blocking and attacking, has been unreal. Matej Binik has a serving advantage, so there could definitely be an argument there. But yeah, I would say Kohanovsky and Novakovsky right now. Timo Mesmer asks, who will win the Champions League? As I've said before, I'm still sticking with my Zenit Kazan pick. I think they've uh, kind of gone under the radar a bit recently, and I picked them right at the beginning of the season. I'm going to stick to it. They've been playing very well in Champions League, and I think they're starting to improve and look good a lot better than they did in that losing streak they had in Russia. Thomas Hines asks, why are there so many Champions League upsets? I think part of it is probably just luck that you know sometimes upsets like this happen, I think part of it is the scheduling. Everything seems a little bit more compressed this season. So players are, especially teams at the top like Perugia and Lubechivitanova have pretty compressed schedules. But I don't think that explains all of it. Um, and I think it's just a weird season. I think we've seen this across many sports where the variance is a bit higher this year. Players, I, I'm not saying they're not trying as hard, but maybe they're not quite as mentally focused this year and i'm not saying like that to deride them but i think anyone working this year can can um, appreciate how difficult it's been and, and the, there's no difference in professional sports and i think the lack of home crowd has hurt a lot of teams as well but at the same time i, I think a lot of it just has been you know modena and zaxa playing very well in in those two big champions league upsets and scandici as well on the women's side Sevilla Ranoff asks, what is the reason for the sudden downfall of Lube Civitanova? Well, they did win the Italian Cup pretty recently, guys, and they're second place in the most competitive volleyball league in the world. So again, like I said earlier, I don't think the I think the coach firing was a little bit premature. I don't think the sky is falling on the team quite yet. I mean, the thing about these top club teams is that the expectations from ownership, management, whatever is so ridiculously high. They're going to be really pissed off if they don't win Champions League, if they don't win the Cup, if they don't win the Italian League title. They spend whatever, 7, 8 million euros, and they think they're entitled to all this stuff. But the top three, like Trentino, Lubici, Vitanova, and Perugia all have these huge budgets, and they can't all win everything. So inevitably, some people are going to be disappointed. Sports is a zero-sum game, so... Yeah, someone's going to lose, and, and it happens to be Lube Chivitanova right now, and I don't think that's really anyone's fault, especially on Lube. I think everyone's playing fairly well, except for maybe like Simone Anzani is struggling a bit, Fabio Belasso struggling a bit, but those guys don't have the mega contracts. They don't have the expectations of the foreigners, so maybe Camille Wright-Slicky might uh, take some of the blame because you could see in the last game against Zaxa that they basically weren't even blocking him. They were letting him attack however he wanted and keying in on the outside hitters and middle blockers. And he still did not have like a super efficient game. So I don't know. There's a few ways you could go with it, but I would say overall, <laughs> let's see how this week plays out before we uh, write anything too caustic about Lube Chivitanova.
Arnie's one asks, would Scraw beat Kazan with a de- decent setter? He says, I think yes. And no, I would I would say no. I mean, I agree with you that Gregor's low match is for sure their weakest link on Scraw Belchatov. I mean, that was pretty obvious watching that last game against Zenit Kazan. And I think if you watch them at all this year, you know that Gregor's low match has been a pretty basic setter this year. I wouldn't say he's like super inaccurate or anything. He's just very readable. Um, doesn't make the extra plays that a lot of the top setters on these teams make. He's he's very limited going to the middle. He's not going to set the middle almost ever um, in a in a interesting situation. He's not going to go to the opposite from position four. He's he's going to set a high ball from position one and probably two to the outside hitter every time. So yeah, I I, I still don't think they would beat Zeneca on though. I think the gap there is pretty big, but. Let's say you put, I don't know, Benjamin Taniudi on Skrull Belchatov. That would be a, a very nasty offense to watch. Another one by Arnie's one. Which outside hitters will or should Heinan bring to Tokyo? Well, I think everyone thinks like, and I kind of agree with this, the Leon-Kubiak combo um, starting lineup works pretty well. For sure, I think that because, you know, you have the offense-defense. Kubiak's going to provide you with really good reception. He's also a good uh, back row attacker. Pretty pretty strong server, obviously, as well. And then Leon, obviously, like you have to have Leon as your starter. If, if he takes him out of the game at any time, I'm that's insane. Even with all the other outside hitters that Poland has. As for your third and fourth outsides, I would probably take one passing sub and one serving sub. And, and probably the best server is Bartosz Bednoiz. So if, if the chemistry isn't all messed up with Bartosz Bednoiz and the rest of the team, I would take him. And for the passing sub, I'd probably take either Camille Semenyuk or Alexander Schlifka. It could really be either one of those two. Maybe Schlifka because he's played on the national team before and, and really gets along with those guys. And also, I've heard you know people bring up the fact that he could technically play as a passing opposite if he wanted to keep uh, Wilfredo Leon as a non-passing outside hitter. So yeah, I would probably take Leon, Kubiak, Bednorz, and Schlifka, which obviously leaves some very good players outside of it, but I guess like Schalpuk is definitely would not bring. He hasn't been playing well at all recently. And Semenyuk, very close, but ultimately does not make the cut as well. Bruce CH5 asks, is this Trentino's chance to pounce and steal the Scuds? Which short for Scudetto, that, that's kind of funny actually. And I would say, yeah, like Trentino, both in Champions League and in the Italian Super League. It's kind of hitting their stride at the right time. I think they have a very good team. I think they have a very well-balanced team. As I said in my preview podcast, they're definitely contender. And even with their like bit of a losing streak early on, never give up on them. And yeah, they, they, they're definitely a contender alongside Lubiji of Tanova and Perugia. Aaron Friedley asks, are receiving opposites the inevitable future of top teams? Um, I would say probably not because a lot of opposites still can't receive. I guess you see opposites um, on, on strong spin serves. Sometimes they pass. But out of the top opposites in the world, I mean, Zaitsev and Anderson, obviously both quite good receivers that can play opposite. But even when they're, when they're hitting from one and two, they're not really receiving that often. They've take, they take a bit of court on the spin serve, but... Both of them don't really pass that often when, when they're playing opposite. So I, I'm, I'm interested to hear, Aaron, who you're referring to when you're saying 
are receiving opposites the inevitable future. Krishoff Bushek asks, shortest player in the Italian league, Francesco Riccine. I'm not sure if you refer to shortest player overall or shortest player that relative to his position, but Francesco Riccine is a like 5'11 outside hitter starting on a Superliga team, which is insane to me. I, I, yeah, check out my video on YouTube, the shortest players in volleyball. I think it's like shortest players that are still beasts. Goes over a lot of these short guys and gives you a better insight into, into how they're so effective. Dylan5 asks, who is the biggest star in volleyball right now? Ooh, that's a good question. There's Because there's no real star in volleyball who's like crossed over to the mainstream yet. I'm still waiting on the day for that to happen. Honestly, if I if, if I had to pull my non-volleyball watching volleyball friends, I would probably say Irvin Engapet and Yuki Ishikawa would probably be the two most common names brought up. Maybe Zaitsev as well. Those, those three guys, I would say, are the closest to uh, being a crossover star. If Modena passed Perugia, do you count them as one of the new favorite teams out of the rest of the teams left in Champions League? This question was asked by Tomas Stojic. I would say no. I mean, uh, Modena we've seen play well a few times this year, but never really that often in a row. I think Perugia will come back and qualify through a golden set in the next game against Modena. So I don't think Modena will pass. And even if they do, it's going to be really tough for them to get past Trentino. I, I, I highly doubt that'll happen. And then if they get past that, getting past either like Lubitsch, Ivdanova, or Zaxa, or Zanikazan, yeah, I, I would still say even if Modena beats Perugia, I would still say their chances are like less than 5% to win Champions League. Julie Zanner says, best performance in Champions League so far? I would say either Benjamin Taniyudi did an incredible job in that game against Zaxa, beating them. Micah Christensen, another player, another setter who did an incredible job. And of course, Namir Abdelaziz scoring 20 plus points on insane efficiency against Berlin in that first game. We'll see what happens in the second game. But yeah, those guys. And oh yeah, Camille Semenyuk as well uh, had an unreal first tournament. Bartosz Bednors, a lot of good guys with good performances so far. I think I picked, uh, yeah, Camille Semenyuk was the player we did a video on for the CV. So I'll say he was the best performance so far. GK Marta says, have you seen the season rosters for the Plus Liga? It's going to be crazy if the rumors come true. Yes, I've been following them a bit, having like gone into detail and looked at every team's projected roster given transfers coming true. I mean, I've been following volleyball for enough years to know that I'm not going to trust any of these rumors until I actually see the player like post on Instagram that they're going to be joining the team. And even then, sometimes it's not superficial. Volleyball is crazy like that. So yeah, I've been paying attention, getting excited, but probably not going to do any content on that until the rosters are a little more solidified. And, and we still have the season going on right now. Let's wait till the offseason, guys. Sonder Finn asks, after the first matches in Champions League, who do you think will go through? Good question. Here we go. Champions League previews. So Trentino versus Berlin. I think for sure Trentino will go through. As I just said, I think Perugia is really going to get their shit together in this next game. You know, I, I don't I think that was like Modena's best game of the season and Perugia's worst game. I don't think there's anything that's going to be like that repeatable 
for Modena in terms of getting that good of a performance out of Luca Vittori and Wilfredo Leon. I know they keyed on, in on him a lot, but I do believe that Ole Plotnitschke and whoever they throw in at opposite is going to have a much better game uh, in the next game. And I, I think Perugia is going to go through their middles a bit more and also have a better serving game. So I, I think a lot of factors kind of went together to have Modena beat Perugia 3-0. And it was a great coaching and a great strategic job by Modena. Taking away Wilfredo Leon like that, definitely uh, applaud them for doing such a good job in that respect. But I don't think it's that repeatable, and I think Perugia will get through there. Zaksek, Kajush, and Kojal, on the other hand, I mean, again, a great coaching job, but I think it's a lot more repeatable than Moden is. I like the personnel of Zaxa. They've Their block defense has been incredible this year. Go look at the opposing attacker stats against Zaxa in pretty much any game where the starters are playing this year, and you're going to be seeing a lot of below 40%. And that's been consistent throughout the entire year, as you guys know. They have basically haven't lost a game in the Plus Liga with their starting lineup, or I guess in Champions League as well. So that's something I find a lot more consistent and repeatable. So I do think Zaxa will go through to the next round. Sorry, Rob. Lubichiv Danova not looking like a great pick right now. That's a bit of a tough hole to climb out of being down 3-1 in the first game. And again, yeah, I, I alluded to this earlier too, but I do think Seneca's on better team than Grigor than... <laughs> I was going to say Gregor's Lomage, but yeah, Skral Belchtov. But yeah, Gregor's Lomage is the main limiting factor. And I know a lot of people have been trying to blame Kakper Pychoki. And, you know, he's not the best libero ever for sure. But, you know, I, there's really only so much a bad libero can hurt your team. And I don't think he's that bad. I think he's just kind of average. And guys, let's be honest, an average libero at this level is not going to completely hold you back. It's definitely more of a setter and opposite issue with Dusan Pekovic uh, on the team. Paul Shane says, not related to Champions League, but the, what's the most exciting unconfirmed transfer rumor in men's volleyball for next season? Ooh, I mean, there's a lot of big transfer rumors right now. It always seems like every player is changing teams. But I would say, yeah, Yuendi Leal maybe going to Modin is huge. And Micah Christensen going to Zaxa would be huge as well. Benjamin Taniyudi going to Yastrebshi. I mean, there's this whole domino effect of guys moving around. I'm not sure why it's like this in volleyball. You would think you, you get a guy who knows your system, who knows your club, who knows the city, gets comfortable in one location. Just pay him decently and, and get him to stay and you have the continuity. But for whatever reason, volleyball players love to move around. Um, so yeah, we're going to see some very exciting stuff. It'll also be interesting to see where Zaitsev goes, where Matt Anderson goes where Taylor Sander goes. Lots of players <laughs> going to have some interesting destinations for next season. Michael V 93 asks, why can't you see that shouting monster block is cringy? I mean, when I first started watching pro volleyball, yes, I did think monster block was a very cringy, kind of <laughs> hilarious thing to say. But I don't know. It's one of those things that you just, you start saying it ironically, but then it makes its way into your vocabulary. And, and now I really appreciate the spirit and the energy, the pure energy that Monster Block represents. Another question from Mikey. He says, would Rosalari have won the Champions League if they qualified for the quarterfinals? And I mean, given how Modin is doing, they might have had a chance. Can you imagine if Nak Rosalari beats Perugia? That would be hilarious. 
Liam Dewar asks, Perugia and Lube lost. Yeah, they did lose. And it's going to be really interesting to see what happens this week. I, I'm very excited. GK Marta asks, why did Scraw lose in your opinion? People say it's because of the weak setter in Libero, who is the club's president's son. So a little bit of nepotism there, potentially. But you know, I don't know. I think, yeah, you could have stronger. But I mean, Kakper Pychaki, how many better liberos are there in Poland? Damian Wojtaszek, Pavel Zatorski, Jakub Popovicak. But other than that, I'm not really sure who I would put above him. So I don't think the nepotism is that strong. I think he is a pretty good libero in his own right. But yeah, I agree that Gregor's Lomage, not the strongest setter. I would, I mean, I would take Marcin Janas for sure above Gregor's Lomage right now. And Scraw used to have Mar- Marcin Janas, but they let him go, letting Gregor's Lomage start in his place. So I think, yeah, Lomage probably a bit overrated given his role in the Polish national team and in, in, in some of their big victories. So yeah, I, I would say I would put definitely a big amount of the fault on him. Paul Shane asks, Biggest weakness of Zaxa, Trentino, and Kazan? Good question. I would say Zaxa's biggest weakness right now is their serve. They don't really have those big bombers. I mean, probably Jakub Kohanowski would be the big guy on their team with his serve. But if you look at his stats in the Palouse League, he's only averaging, I think, 0.12 aces per set. So nothing really that impressive. It seems like he's taken a bit off of it this year. And you see they really rely on their block defense a lot more than their serving power to get those break points so yeah i would say serving is the biggest weakness of zaxa for trentino it's definitely that second outside hitter position i mean i love micheletto i think he should be starting on the team and i think he will start in the second game given how dick coy played at the beginning of the first one but it's definitely like when you're competing at this elite level neither of those players are like anywhere close to you know someone like yoandy leal or or Ole Plotnitschke or any of those top Italian outside hitters. Zenit Kazan's biggest weakness, I would say probably Alexander Butko. The setter has been having a pretty poor season. And then I would say also their mental attitude has been pretty rough this year as well. Like they definitely obviously did not lose seven games in a row because of a lack of talent. They're a very strong team. But the combination of Bednorsh and Engapet and I, I don't know, again, I don't know the guys on the team, so I can't really like delve into the behind-the-scenes locker room stuff, but there definitely for sure was some body language issues and some communication issues on that team. Looks like it might have been sorted, though. And Gumja asks or says, I think Travicha should be fired. Yeah, I mean, that was the biggest weakness for sure, very obviously, of, of Perugia going into the season. And as soon as something bad happened to them, we all knew Travicha was going to be blamed, and I think rightfully so in this case. He's he's definitely kind of, kind of like uh kind of like the second outside hitter on Trentino. He's he's a good player, but not for this level. Jure Perquen asks, "What is the potential of the underhand service in men's volleyball?" You know, I was thinking about this because Viva Valencia has an arena with some very strong lighting, and that's why you see da- Davide Seda wear those glasses when he's playing because when he's setting he doesn't want to look directly into the very strong lights uh pouring into your eyes in the arena of Viva Valencia so I think if there was a player who could somehow do an underhand service that went right into the lights of some of these you know old arenas with the kind of really strong 
incandescent lights, I think that could be a really dangerous weapon. So I, I think the underhand service in men's volleyball is kind of an underexplored weapon, but only in really old arenas with uh, really bright lighting. So it's, it's a weapon that you should bring out in the right circumstances. Big Eyes Drawer, great account to follow, by the way. They ask, do you think that Zaxa can win second game with Lube or will it be a golden set? Um, as I said earlier on the podcast, I think Zaxa will go through without a golden set, and I think Perugia will force a golden set and probably win the golden set as well. And last question here for the mailbag episode. Capcio asks, what do you think about Shoji replacing Zatorski in Zaxa? Uh, both very good players, actually probably both around the same level of the Barrow. So I don't think it'll really move the needle in either direction. I think Shoji is probably a little better in reception and Zatorski is probably a little better in floor defense. But yeah, nothing really major between the two. Shoji is probably a bit better of a secondary setter as well, I would say. But the biggest... Uh, thing there is probably Shoji counting against the foreigner cap which is only three in the plus liga so that is for sure a factor anyway guys i hope you enjoyed the podcast here a lot of tried to answer pretty much all your questions here thank you once again for sending in some great ones um, we have one more italian game left in the preliminary round between Verona and Milano happening March 6th. That is definitely must-watch volleyball television. Of course, we have Champions League and CV Cup happening this week. Um, some great, a great battle between Montpellier, actually, and Zenit, or and sorry, Dynamo Moscow, Zenit St. Petersburg, and the other bracket against uh, Mosaic. But yeah, Zenit St. Petersburg actually struggling a little bit versus Montpellier, so yeah. Montpellier, not just good in the French League. Slight, slight, very slight, very small chance that they can go through. But we're looking towards a rushing, Russian final in the CV Cup. Zenit St. Petersburg versus Moscow. <laughs> Two fantastic teams, so not unhappy with that. Champions League, oh man, I hope we get some good golden sets this week. Going to be very, very busy on my end, so... Remember to follow European Volleyball on all platforms if you want to be updated on Champions League. And there also will be YouTube streams of most of the matches. But if not, remember, Eurovolley.tv, only five euros a month. Pretty good deal. Uh, one of the better deals in volleyball, especially around this time, you'll get all of the quarterfinals and semifinals for five euros, which, you know, the price of a coffee and a croissant. So not too bad there. Plus League of Playoffs starting soon. Russian League Playoffs starting soon. Great time to be a volleyball fan. So, hope this podcast brought you a little bit up to date about some of the storylines going on right now. Lots of transfers, lots of matches. So, I hope it helped and hope you have a good week. Watch lots of volleyball and I will talk to you next podcast.